Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Bike Karma. It's the two-year anniversary show. The Bike Karma podcast are stories about all kinds of people and their bicycles. We look at bikes from every age, vintage, and angle. I'm your host, Tom Brown, and today was supposed to be a short catch-up show. The excuse being that it's summer and we should be all out riding, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. So in addition to taking a look back at the last couple of years really quickly, I've also included an interview with Adam Bunger, who got hit by a big truck. He talks about his very relatable experience, because we're all just one bad driver away from a similar fate. We also look at the complex symbolism in the Bike Karma logo, and summer reading recommendations. I also make a case for doing a slow roll. Thanks for coming along for the ride, let's roll out. feeling of flying down the path is kind of universal and you don't forget it, no matter what type of style of biking you're doing. That feeling of flowing and flying down a nice smooth section, it makes you feel like you're flying. It's almost dreamlike. So the two year anniversary of Bike Karma, what's that about? The term bike karma is actually an expression pre-financial apocalypse. So in 2008, when we had the big financial apocalypse and billions of dollars was stolen from people and nobody went to jail, before that, our town was doing quite well, as were a lot of towns. And you could put out a bike on the side of the road. Back then, the scrappers wouldn't grab it. There weren't scrappers because there wasn't a lot of money and it wasn't worth it. So you'd put a bike on the side of the road and then somebody would take it who needed a bike. And if you put a bike that was too small on the side of the road, within about a week or two, you would see that somebody put the next size up out on the road as well. And this didn't just happen once, it happened quite a few times. And so we came up with this expression, bike karma, is that you put a bike out into the world and you get a bike back. And I know that from a Buddhist perspective, that's not what karma really is. It's not directly cause and effect. This is a oversimplification of, of people from the outside who say, you know, if you do something bad, then something bad happens to you. you. Do something good, something good happens to you. It's your karma. That's a way oversimplification of a much more subtle and profound dynamic. That's, that's a whole other podcast. And I recommend you listen to it. The basic idea of bike karma is trying to just put out some good feelings to do some good feelings not necessarily getting anything back for it because the actual doing is the getting back so i started fixing up bikes i started donating some i started recycling some i started selling some i mean i wasn't able to afford not selling some of them to try and keep the hobby up and like so many other flippers and pickers of bikes and collectors i had this elusive it's like the philosopher's stone of bicycle collectors which is i'd like the hobby to pay for itself and i'd like it to be a self-sustaining hobby so if you ever heard somebody doing that it's like saying i believe i can turn lead into gold and that's that's the equivalent of what this is so just so you know when they talk like that that's that's really what it's like is bikes are not a self-sustaining hobby if you do it in the right spirit because you can't 
can't be ruthless and still get all the good feelings about you know helping people out with bikes so sometimes you give some a bike you donate it and then you see it crashed up on the side of the road if you donate enough bikes that will happen sometimes you give a kid a bike and it gets stolen sometimes you donate a bike to goodwill and you put $25 into it and then you see that they're selling it for $19 <laughs> and that doesn't include your time and labor all of this just got let go the nice part of that story is that months later I saw a guy collecting cans with it on the side of the road obviously it went to the person who needed it and I found that to be very reassuring that things eventually work out uh, if you keep trying to do the right thing I have good friends who do this, they have massive runs of bad luck. So I know that karma is not directly causing effect. Bad random sh just happens sometimes to people. But the podcast is basically a so far failed book. I tried to write a book about all the stories and cool people that I've met through this hobby of mine, getting involved with bikes. The book was taking a long time to process all that self-doubt and writer's block and all that stuff. So eventually, after trying that for a couple of years, I was like, what if I just do a little podcast, like a sampler of some of the stories? That way I don't have to make a whole book. I just need to get a couple of the better stories together and check them out. And that's what happened. So a couple of years ago, started a couple of stories and an interview, and that's what happened. I haven't made any money from it at all, and I didn't expect to. I'm not getting a check from Blue Apron or any of the other places. I don't really expect that's going to happen. It's not really a priority for me. But what has happened is I have the ability to email anyone in the world who I find interesting related to bikes. I can legitimately contact people who are interesting from around the world who have anything to do with bicycles. And that to me is priceless. I mean, it's like a legitimate icebreaker is, hey, I do a podcast as opposed to, hey, I don't even know what the, the next sentence would be. If there's a guy decorating bikes with flowers in Florida, I can email him or message him and say, hey, guy putting flowers on bikes on floor that's pretty cool i would love to to talk to you about why you do that that's coming up on an episode soon or i can hear that a guy got into a wreck i can say hey that sucks how are you doing you know and have a legitimate icebreaker reason to do so and when you talk to these people you realize that they all have some things in common some innate things in common. I mean, we all want to be happy. We all want to be cool to some degree, even if we're not being cool. We all want to be happy, and we all enjoy the feeling of riding a bike under your own power and making something go. So that is what the Bike Karma podcast evolved into. And I'm still working on the book. Someday, I might be able to self-publish it. Maybe I can sell five copies of it. But for now, it's just a neat way to connect with the world and hopefully help other people to connect with each other in the world and realize that we have a lot in common as opposed to all the differences that get shoved in our faces every day. So, peace. Thank you very much for listening and hope I 
became due another couple of years. say what you just said. I think you need to do a full Bike Karma episode on shop cats and why people have shop cats and what the connection between bikes and cats are. How did that even crop up? Well I was just looking I was just looking at your logo and I was like you know how I am and I always want to get down to the bottom of and I would look at that logo and I'd be like why is there a cat on this logo? I know you so I know that that's Mr. Munchnik and he's important and our and our daughter drew the logo and it and it means a lot and but there but I see this reoccurring theme of cats and bikes and cats and bike shops and all this stuff and it's like this well there are dogs and bikes too yeah but I, I, I absolutely get that but I think it's like dogs are with everything dog dogs are involved in everything and I, I mean what do people want to look at a picture of more? Like a cat riding a bicycle or like a chicken. Like if it were me, I'd be all like, hey, there's like when I see the, pic the pictures on Instagram of like me and my chicken riding this bike, I'm like, why can't our chickens do anything fun like that? Like I would ride a bike if my chicken was, if Patty would sit on a bike, I would ride it. So I don't think chickens are really good <laughs> at sitting around. No, 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 but cats, but cats are, so that's why it's better. Dogs just do whatever you tell them to do, so, like, our dogs have zero interest in your bike shop. Why do you think, what is the story, if you had to tell the story between me and Munchnik, the shop cat? Well, no, I mean, it's not just Munchnik, it's Munchnik and Ginny, and that they're down there, that you're building cat condos for them, to hang out with them in the shop. Very I mean, expensive <laughs> they're made in America. Right, right, right. Yes. But, you know, I think other people have, like, I would want to know how cats ended up in other people's bike shops. Because I don't think they bring their cats home. I think that cat lives in the bike shop. I think bike shops that have cats in them, that is the bike shop cat. And I want to know. We should just say right now that the dog is jumping at the back <laughs> porch window right. being like, flip me in. <laughs> Let me into the conversation. No, no, you can't. So I just think that it would be interesting to know why people have cats and not dogs, what the connection between cats and bikes are, why there's so many stupid cartoons of cats riding bikes. Like, why? Why is your logo a cat? I just think people, I think if people are going to listen to your podcast, they should know. After two years, you can I can't believe people aren't like, what's up with the dumb cat logo? Like, I can't believe people don't say that. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, if it were me... Haters gonna hate! If it were me, it would be a white background with a bike, and it would be like, bike karma, listen to it if you want. What the hell is that? <laughs> I know, but that's just, I mean, that's how I am. I just think that if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a weird logo with a cat on it, you need you have some explaining to do. And I think there are other people out there with hashtag shopcat that also probably have some explaining to do that might want to explain it on your podcast. Even if it was a even if it was a, a, a monthly vignette of shopcat, like and here's a story about. Shop cat in Bristol, England, of whatever. Like, you even. Need to go visit that shop yeah, cat and well, get a beer with the owner. Right, so even if it's where you're just seeking out shop cats and like doing interviews with different people 
or so I think that would be. Can you I, save money for me to go visit them? You can save money for you. I, you know I can. <laughs> Sell Don't some buy bikes. Too many trinkets. <laughs> Sell some bikes. <laughs> but I think that that's. I mean, at least you could start in New England. I guarantee you, in New England, within a couple hours drive, there's a couple bike shops with a cat. They allow a cat who are high maintenance and stinky and what is the deal with this cat and why is it satisfied to live in a bike shop? <laughs> Maybe it's just our cat, but and so I just think you should find out what the connection between bikes is. I think your logo has determined this path. And you're all about the path. And so, <laughs> so you need to find the path. <laughs> challenge challenge. Okay, good. Hi, I'm Anna Jane Brown, and I'm the artist who made the logo for the Bike Karma podcast. And here's the story of how it came to be. So, my dad is Tom Brown, and he came up to me one day and was like, yeah, so I need a logo, and I need it to be our cat with, like, some zen, and, like, throw a bike in there, too. And I was like things don't really mix. So what I ended up doing is I took a whole bunch of reference photos of our cat and I drew his face and then I decided that I was going to put a bike on it somewhere and I added a little zen element with the yin yang symbols for like balance. So that's what ended up happening and I showed it to him and he was like oh my god this is great. And I was like really? He's like yeah this is awesome. So I gave it to him we scanned it the computer, colored it, and that was that. The cat is our cat, um, Ron John, who goes by many different names. Ron, Ron John, Ginger Vanilla Sunshine, Mr. Munchnik, etc. He has like a bajillion names. Um, Ginny is our other cat. She, I don't know, she, she's different. She is also like a bike workshop cat, but she's... Munchnik is more like, hey, what's up? And she's just like, oh my god, get away from me. So we decided to do Munchnik because he's more friendly. And he wakes my dad up every morning and they just like eat oatmeal together or whatever. The cat doesn't eat oatmeal, but you know. So that's what happened. The end. If you had to sum it up into one sentence that whole day, what would that one sentence be? Oh, man. Um, well, your helmet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>
the other morning, um, I've got a regular loop around our, our place that I generally go and hammer out, and it takes about an hour. Uh, so I was, you know, I was about halfway done with it, um, and yeah, hardly ever any traffic out there at that time of morning. And this was like the, you know, the one day that I crossed paths with this one specific guy. Dude coming towards me decided to take a left and, you know, wreck my day. <laughs> Thought I heard something coming up behind me. So I just sort of like did a, you know, did a quick head check. And when I whipped my head around, all I saw was the grill of this guy's F-150. I mean, honestly, all I saw was like a flash of chrome. Um, so he was coming towards me and took a left to head up the driveway that I was riding across, um, just at like the worst possible time. Uh, he said he was going about 15, I was pushing about 25, so he hit me, sent me and the bike up in the air over a drainage ditch and into a utility pole. I, mean, I sort of remember hitting the ground, um, but really the first thing I remember was opening my eyes and just like staring up the utility pole and then, you know, kind of having like 30 seconds of freak out. <laughs> I was on the ground and I, you know, I could kind of, using the, using the phone pole as leverage, sort of like pick my, my shoulders up. I looked, you know, I looked down, you know, just to kind of see if I was all still put together. There was a really weird angle in my left leg that shouldn't have been there. Initially, I just kind of like looked down and thought, dislocated hip, broken femur, and broken ankle. And then, you know, he so he gets out of the car and he starts freaking out. The first thing he says is, he asked me if I was okay. Um, you know, <laughs> it was kind of funny. You know, and then he, you know, he asked me what he should do. So, you know, I asked him to call an ambulance. It took about 10 minutes for the, the fire truck and ambulance to show up. It seemed like a really, really long ride to the hospital. But just kind of like the, the sound of him hitting me kind of is what stuck with me more than anything. Once they got me on the backboard, it was really excruciatingly painful. Every cyclist is worried about this happening. There's one thing worse that could have happened. So I'm glad you are recovering. At the same time, it's daunting to look at how long you have to go until you're able to get back to where you were seconds before that moment. So you're looking at a three month recovery? Yep. And what's that gonna look like? Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I kind of like, just kind of going from how it felt when I came home the first like couple of days, it was horrible. I mean, I could, you know, they gave me Percocet and muscle relaxers and this and that and the other thing, but still I could, I could barely move. I didn't really want to move. Getting up to do anything was terrible. You know, we, we live in a, you know, we live in a house and we've got a set of stairs. So just getting up and down the stairs was awful and time consuming. Now I can kind of like cross my way up and down the stairs, take the dog out. I can't drive, but at least I can like sit in the front seat. It was two weeks, I think, yesterday, the day before that the accident happened. So, I'm, you know, I feel good just in that like I've been able to make that much progress and, you know, and start to like wean myself off the painkillers and all that other stuff just in that short amount of time.
it's six weeks for that bone to heal, regardless of what what else I do. So yeah, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where yeah, I miss, I, you know, I miss, I miss walking around, and but you know, I miss being out of the bike. You know, it isn't even to the point where it's like, oh, and everything will heal, and I'll just I'll just PT and I'll be right back to where I was. Like I'll have to build my fitness back up, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it'll be it'll be something to do, <laughs> but you know, I'll get there. So how many miles are you used to normally doing, like, in a week? Um, in, a, in a week, I generally put down around 150 to 200. Wow. Okay. So that's, like, double what I do <laughs> normally. <laughs> Good for you, man. <laughs> Good for you. So that that's uh, – you're, you're quite into it. So what are you doing to keep yourself from going crazy while you've got to be out of it for at least 12 weeks? Um. Well, I mean, shopping for a new bike. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, other than that, uh, you know, currently dealing with insurance um, and just trying to, like, figure out how that's all going to work. Uh, the guy who hit me was uninsured, so there's, you know, like, multiple hoops to now jump through to figure out how, you know, I'm going to, like, pay for all these hospital bills. Uh but yeah, I mean, I've got a stack of books upstairs, a stack of books downstairs, catching up on Netflix. Um, and actually, like, just, you know, I don't I don't keep in touch with friends as much as I used to. So just kind of like kind of catch up on correspondence and, you know, do all this stuff that, like, I feel like kind of falls through the cracks between, you know, work and, you know, like, having a social life and taking care of stuff around the house. You know, now I've got all this free time, so, I mean, may as well. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and learn French or something like that. And what do you normally do for work? Uh, I actually work at a shop here in Chattanooga, Cycle Sport. It's a local bike shop. Oh, okay. So are they pretty understanding about the whole situation? Yeah, my boss is actually, like, the first guy to show up in the hospital after surgery. I guess what's been, you know, if I can take anything away from it, what's been really kind of amazing and humbling is how, you know, people find out about it and they just sort of like rally behind you. And I really wasn't expecting that. And it was, it was just kind of cool to see, you know, e either complete strangers or friends that I haven't heard from in a couple of years and like closer friends who kind of like come out of the woodwork in support. We, uh, so my, my, then girlfriend, now fiance, was in San Francisco for work when this whole thing happened. I was trying to get a hold of her. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen or how long I was going to be in the hospital, so I was trying to get a hold of somebody to take care of our dog. I ended up getting her best friend on the line who came through the hospital. It was just awesome. Got a hold of my folks. You know, another friend of mine worked in the ER and he was there, so that was, you know, that was kind of a comfort initially when they brought me in to like, just just to see a familiar face. My fiance's friend started a GoFundMe for us without telling us about it. And, you know, didn't didn't tell us about it for a little while because, you know, she was afraid we'd tell her not to. You know, just to, to go on there and see, you know, friends I had from when I lived out in California that I hadn't talked to in a number of years, like throwing money at this thing and people who had never met, it was it was really cool to see to see people just rally behind somebody who needed help. And I mean, that, I think, you know, more than anything else, that is sort of the thing that's stuck with me the most. There's not really much I can say 
to convey my my gratitude to these either friends or complete strangers. Like it's I've never I've never personally experienced like an outpouring of generosity like that. And it was it was awesome. You know, my fiance managed to get herself back to Chattanooga in less than a day. And, you know, I think if she wasn't around, I'd probably be like knee deep in empty Gatorade bottles and like ramen noodle packets. <laughs> <laughs> She's been awesome. And, you know, I, I owe her a debt of gratitude that I'll probably never be able to pay either. Um, it's been, it's been kind of cool to realize that like you know whether whether you know it or not you have a you know you have a support group there that's that's got your back it's been really cool it's part of the brotherhood and sisterhood of cycling is what it sounds like is we all know we know that we're one bad driver away from being in the same position yeah for sure i have several other friends in town that have gotten hit to varying degrees of severity but uh, you know all you see pictures and you hear, you hear their stories and it's awful you really can't imagine how awful it actually is until it's like you getting creamed <laughs> it definitely puts a new perspective on it so yeah and it's you know it, it's it's nothing else it's you know it's, it's been cool to have that you know that support group that, like I never really knew it was there. So, okay. As shitty as it, everything kind of was, you know, like the one thing that I will say that was, that was pretty cool is, uh, you know, when I was sitting there waiting, you know, waiting on the ambulance, trying to fend off the well-intentioned but somewhat misguided dude that hit me his like request to let me let him help me. You know, I just remember like laying on my laying on my back, trying not to move and. I'm 37 and it's been 37 years of stupid shit on skateboards and, you know, wrecking in trees, snowboarding and crashing mountain bikes and just, you know, growing up doing, doing dumb stuff. And this was the only time that I ever thought like, oh, that's it. I just checked out. Like I'm going to die on the side of the road in Chattanooga alone. And you know, the one thing that kept kind of rolling back to me as I thought this over was that I never would have, I never got the chance to like propose to my girlfriend. She got back after I got out of surgery and stayed with me in the hospital the you know the whole time I was in there. So um you know, Thursday night after like everyone else had left and the nurse had left and everything settled down, um, I got to ask her to marry me in the very romantic setting of my hospital room and she said yes. Uh so that was, you know, like that was the best thing that happened as a result of this whole thing. And, you know, I would have done it anyway, but, um, you know, that was like, that was pretty cool. And it was the best, you know, it was the best yes I've ever heard. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's anything I wanted to add, I'd, I'd say that was it. Dude, it took a near-death experience. <laughs> well, I mean, just a fast forward my original timeline, sure. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Okay. Uh, that's a, totally uh silver lining <laughs> very sorry you got hit hope you a speedy recovery um yeah, our friend amy started this when she realized that the guy that hit me didn't have any insurance and i don't have health insurance either so <laughs> he okay. didn't have any car insurance so adam got yeah. hit by a big truck yeah <laughs> I <go find> me. <laughs> all 
All right, I'm glad we can both laugh a little bit at that as a title, but it's, it's not funny, but it's that that part is a little funny. I yeah, like, it's, it's, it's better to be able to laugh at it than just be, you know, pissed off that it happened. And, you know, I'd rather laugh than sit here angry. <laughs> yeah. So once again, if you'd like to help out Adam, go check out his GoFundMe page. Uh, he does not have health insurance, and the person who hit him was an uninsured motorist. Go to the Adam Got Hit by a Big Truck Fund at GoFundMe.com. So here on the two-year anniversary, a quick thank you for being a listener and an explanation. So... The podcast is supposed to be stories. I really enjoy NPR, Snap Judgment, This American Life, Car Talk, and all those other shows, and hope that I can provide a bicycle-like version of those, where if somebody was not particularly super into bicycles and you were listening to it in your car, maybe they wouldn't be totally bored listening to it because they're stories about people, and hopefully they're relatable. And if you're a cyclist really deep into one particular discipline, then maybe this is a chance for you to broaden your horizons listening to other stories from other realms of the bicycle world. There are tons of other bicycle podcasts out there, and I really appreciate you coming along for the ride with this one. So to the 6,000 people who've downloaded, all the folks who've shared their stories and shared the podcast and done reviews and followed and liked and stuff like that, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. So with that in mind, now the explanation is about the sound quality of the show. I try really hard to make the sound quality good. At the same time, not all the stories are taking place in the studio. I'm going out to locations, I'm at a coffee shop recording an interview there or on a ride, so occasionally you might hear some noises in the background. I apologize for this, and I try really hard just not to make it distracting. So those are the noises of life coming through. So if you find them slightly distracting, please just remember that's part of life, and they tell part of the story as well. Well, that works. But if I was to get really, really obsessive about making sure everything was silent, I would go insane. So occasionally cars go by. Occasionally the wind blows. Occasionally my dog decides to do a tap dance. Occasionally, occasionally 400 motorcycles come down the road. Occasionally people see that you have a recorder and they scream at you. Rogue waves, wildfires, the Santa Ana winds, romantic frogs and migrating butterflies. They are all part of the great tapestry of life that sometimes gets onto the recording. So know that I hear it too. I'm in the background trying to make it not distracting to the story. And I appreciate you being patient with that. I'm with the show. It's time for the Blake Carbo Summer Reading Recommendations! First one. Blazing Saddles, The Cruel and Unusual History of the Tour de France by Matt Rendell. This book tells stories about the Tour de France. Not just the records, not just the stats, it's the story behind the race. And it's done so in a very readable way. My favorite story is about Eugene Kristoff, who back in 1919 got hit by a car. He was okay. 
his fork was broken, he walked 13 kilometers to a blacksmith and then he had to forge his own fork. He made a fork during the Tour de France, put it back onto his bike to continue the race. It's amazing stories like that all the way through. So that's the first one. The next one, if you've never read it, is Mountain Bike Exclamation Point by William Neely. It's a manual of beginning to advanced techniques, but it is done in a cartoon format. This guy was amazing back in the day before computers, and it's still very applicable, talking about balance and how to visualize, and it's an amazing treatise on how to ride trails. So if you cross, mountain, or just curious biking. I use some of the techniques on the road when it gets dicey. Very awesome book there and very readable. I read it in two nights and I'm a wicked slow reader. For audiobooks, I can't recommend strongly enough Dave Barter's Obsessive Compulsive Cycling Disorder. These are amazing stories filled with humor. And while Dave is very good at cycling and has actually competed, it does not get boring. Like a lot of race people bragging about their stuff, it is very human, very story-centric, and the stories are amazing. His touring, road, mountain, making a single speed out of his bike. The internal dialogue that he shares is what a lot of people go through. So it's very connectable, great stories. Can't recommend it highly enough. And it's done in an English voice. So you can hear this beautiful voice all the way through. Next is a 1986 book for the renters in the house, Steve Snowling and Ken Evans. It's a big square picture book called Bicycle Mechanics in Workshop and Competition. Not only will you enjoy the looking at all of the vintage rides, but how they used to work on them. And it is an amazing book. It's great stories, very easy to relate to. And then lastly, if you've never read this, Richard's Bicycle Book by Richard Ballantyne, any of the 1970s editions are the way to go. He covers the entire gamut, everything to do with bicycles, but he also has a a lot of good stories, a great historical perspective. One of my favorites is how, from the 70s perspective, he looks at what to do when attacked by a dog on the bike and basically teaches you self-defense about how to keep the dog from killing you. But peeling back and going back to the days of air pollution and, and Ron Burgundy type sexual harassment, not on the part of Mr. Valentine, but on the parts of others who drive past you while you're riding the bike, it is is an amazing look at the history of where biking was back in the great 10-speed boom of the 1970s. So none of these books are bestsellers currently that I know of, but you should be able to pick them up relatively cheaply online. For myself, I'm going to read a couple of books on bikes and then a bunch of cozy mysteries, which is the other thing I do. Have a good summer reading! Workout resume. So you might hear a little bit of squeaking right now. So I decided to take my old balloon tire bike. It's 1940s, late 40s, Westfield, Columbia, news delivery bike. Has a Springer front fork, you probably hear. Has two gigantic springs on the seat and 
it is an unbelievable soft ride. If you can handle the squeak. I'm sure I can take care of that. Why am I on a balloon tire bike instead of on my road bike? I even got Strava turned on. Why am I not on a bike that's more likely to break some PRs? Because I am trying to experience what is known as a slow roll. Slow roll is the equivalent of when bicycle people say you don't really see a place if you're riding in a car. You see a lot more of it riding by bike. Well, if you go on a slow roll, it's just as much a difference. You see a lot more than you would normally see zooming by trying to beat your own PRs. And I'm not preachy about this. I definitely don't do this very often. Probably less than it should. But for me today, I went on a run earlier today and didn't really feel like getting all suited up again in some athletic clothing and thought to myself about all my bikes and then thought about this one hanging about four back from the door. I would need to take another few bikes away to get to this one. But for some reason I decided to go for it. Took down all the other bikes. Imagine them talking to me saying, why not me? this time as I took each one down and then pumped up the tires, adjusted the seat. Now here I am going on a slow roll right around sunset. It's kind of beautiful. How you doing? drive it feels like a motorcycle bike from when you were a kid. It's got a bunch of issues, but it's got a Bendix two-speed hub. And while it's not going to break any speed records, if I click it into the climbing gear, which is one of two choices, it can get up just about any hill in town. distance 5.01 miles total time 27 minutes and 44 seconds split speed 9.3 miles per hour 9.3 miles per hour not super fast but a lot faster than I run first couple of miles I was going as fast as I could I don't know just getting onto a bike, you get that adrenaline surge. I was, it was in the 13s, 13, maybe 14 miles per hour. I'm at a more relaxed pace. It's good to clear your head with the occasional slow roll. Not preaching, just praising. It's definitely worth a try if you've never tried it before. If you're up in my neck of the woods, I'll let you borrow this bike. Notice the cars don't give you as wide a berth as when you're wearing bright neon orange, neon yellow. They probably should, but they don't. I got a blinky light on the back of my helmet, so that helps, I'm sure. Oh, there's a rabbit. Not as fast as a rabbit. That's good. 
wow, for a short summer so I'm writing episode, that turned out to be pretty long. Next month, we go back to the usual length, if there is such a thing. So in the background, just waiting to get edited and mixed are tons of segments on vintage bikes, flower bikes, riding unicycles, finding a baby possum on the side of the road, but occasionally a story like Adam's jumps to the head of the queue because it's time sensitive. In Adam's case, we want to try and maybe help him pay his bills until he gets the money from the uninsured motorist. In other cases, it's because there's an event coming up. And that's what the Builder's Ball announcement is. So, Saturday, September 23rd in Boston, the East Coast's Builder's Ball. Bicycle builders from all over meeting in Boston, Massachusetts, Saturday, September 23rd. You can find out more by going onto Instagram and looking at Builder's Ball. Also have a bicycle swap meet coming up in Dudley, Massachusetts. You can check that out online. So thanks again to Adam Bunger, Keller Glass, and Mobjack Music at mobjackmusic.com for both our opening and closing theme music. They fairly rock. While this isn't a typical episode, if you've liked any episode in the past, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. It really helps to raise our status in the search engine. Sharing the podcast with your bike-curious friends is also greatly appreciated. A huge thank you to Justin K. and Harris Tweeter for leaving awesome reviews on iTunes. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Also, for Infinite Loop 3 for joining and following on Podbean. For those interested in BMX, I'm doing some type of cooperative project with the Rail to Burn podcast. And if you have a story idea, please email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. Or you can also direct message me through any of the social media that you find me on. All the episodes of the Bike Karma podcast and the Bike Karma logo are the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. Copyright, trademark, all of the rights are reserved. Thank you very much for coming along for the ride. Till next time, keep it wheel. <laughs>